Amen. Thank you, Kenny. Wasn't that good? I think, Kenny, you're going to have to come up and sing that song again at the end. Okay. That was the whole sermon. Yeah, that was the sermon right there. We could just go. You're dismissed. Good morning, man. How you doing? Yeah, good. Anybody tired like I am? Yeah, good. Just a couple of dads that, like, didn't want to show their kids that they're tired. Um, my side hustle is selling Tupperware, so this morning I want to talk to you about our product. It's durable. It's dishwasher safe. Um, no, we're not going to talk about that. But um, I just want to recap. Uh, last night, such a sweet time. Uh, it was fun to hear dads having faith conversations with their kids again. I got to meet a dad who got to lead his son to Christ in their cabin, and that was such a sweet gift of, of just them together. So, man, like I said last night, way to go leaning in and loving and leading your sons. And sons, way to go leaning in and being curious with dad and helping them explore and find wonder again. And uh, at our last two times together, we'll look at a very quick look of what our story of faith is, and that's what we've been doing all weekend. This is a recap. God's a creator. He existed out of time and space, and he creates out of nothing with his word. And he creates for his glory, his delight, and for the response of worship from his creation. And he creates us in his image so that we could be image bearers, that we could reflect him where we live, work, and play. And we see that the second chapter of the story of faith is that sin comes in, and it separates, and it's by man's choice there's an enemy and an accuser who tells man something contrary to God, and man believes it, and by choice, they eat of fruit and enter sin and enters relationship that gets tension and struggle and pain between each other and between God. And so God, in love, brings law to help clarify his heart and intent for how he's to be worshipped and how people are to come to him and how they're supposed to have relationship with one another. And yet last night, as we talk about that, the law is unattainable. Not one person had ever lived it out fully and completely and perfectly. And so there was need for a rescuer to come, and the rescuer was named Jesus. And Jesus was the only begotten son, and from beginning of creation where he was there, he now comes willingly and in love to fulfill God's plan to give of himself. God becomes flesh and lives among his creation. And among his creation, he invites people to walk with him, work with him, and watch how he does kingdom living. And along the way, he corrects and encourages and rebukes and models what it's like to live law out perfectly. And he does so. He lives a perfect life and dies a death that was intended for me and you to be crucified, rejected, scorned, shamed by his own creation, to ultimately die, be buried, and rise in victory. And as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians, to a letter to a church, he would say, if it wasn't for the resurrection, we would be people most pitied among men. We would believe in this, these three chapters of our story of a God that's dead. And yet God's fully alive and reigning and ruling today. And yet there's mystery in that he's with us today as well, for those in Christ. And so we take that gospel message and say, 
by belief, not by effort, we get invited to have right relationship with God, to be seen as right before the Father because of Jesus' sacrifice. Today we continue that story, and, and part of my story when I shared I became a Christian my senior year of high school. And I was trying to do all the things that I thought to do. Again, I didn't have anybody giving me a, a pathway forward. And so I was reading my Bible, and I was really hungry for God, and so I was showing up to youth group, and I was going to churches, multiple. You got a Tuesday night service? I'll be there. You got a Wednesday night service? I'll be there. Thursday night service, you need a volunteer? I'll be there. Friday, nothing. I'm doing a Bible study in my house. I'm baptizing friends in the pool, in the ocean, wherever I can. I'm just so excited that Jesus would save a wretch like me. And as I'm learning and growing, I find that sin is still in my life. I didn't all of a sudden magically become a Christian, believe in the finished work of Jesus, and then everything was perfect. There was still struggle and pain, and I still found myself doing things that I used to do before Christ. And so guilt and shame and pain and frustration were heavy on me. Can anyone relate? And I kept going, where is the good news in this? I'm saved from fire and hell and get eternity with God, but I don't feel any freer than I was. And I wrestled and struggled as a young man trying to follow Jesus, trying to serve him, trying to do the things that I thought I needed to do, but I didn't feel freedom. And this morning, the next chapter of our faith that I want to bring freedom to you men today had been there the whole time. This book that I was reading intently and studying and trying to tell others about was right there the whole time. And it's a simple thing that Paul would write in Galatians 5, 1, he would say that it was for freedom's sake that Christ set us free. That freedom was actually the point of that suffering on the cross. Not only right relationship, but freedom in Christ. That you were meant to be free and live freely as sons of the King. To be invited into this family as we just sung that we were adopted into a family. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the old was gone and the new has come. And what was new was this new creation or new identity. Yes, salvation came. So creation, fall, redemption, salvation. But now new reality and new identity. Paul talks about it in this. If you have a Bible, you can turn to it. Ephesians 2. If not, just I encourage you guys to read it together sometime. I alluded to it a little bit last night, but this is Ephesians 2. This talks about what our state was for those who haven't placed their faith in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions. Everybody say dead. You're dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the air or the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature or our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Paul doesn't pull any punches right there. He says that when sin was the reality of our lives and because of an absence of faith in Christ and without his sacrifice and belief in that, you and I were objects of wrath. Whatever God's punishment wanted to bring was right and just and fair. 
as we satisfied the desires of, our cra- of the sinful flesh, we were objects of wrath. But verse 4, but because of his great love, say love, for us, God who was rich in mercy, which we just sung about, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it was by grace that you have been saved. That word grace just means unmerited favor. It means nothing you do to earn or deserve. You, you, can't out, you can't earn this grace from God. It's solely a gift from him that he gives. This grace that God has given you has saved you. And God has raised us with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. This is not from your works. It is a gift from God, not by your works so that no one can boast. He reiterates the gospel and says that you were dead. I was dead. But God, who is rich in mercy, instead of being an object of wrath, makes us an object of his affection and love and gives of his son, his one and only, so that we could have life and be made alive in him. And we become seated with him in the heavenly realms, which is a mind-blowing concept that somehow we're here and there at the same time with him. And there's this new reality that comes in that we're in Christ. So Tupperware, I'm going to show you a little bit. This is how I think of the gospel. This is you. Do you know how I know it's you? It says so. It says you on it. This is you. Okay? You were dead in sin. Sin. You. Dead. Muerto. No breath. An object of wrath. This is who you were. But God, who is rich in mercy, in Galatians, Paul would say that he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. We're made alive in Christ. No longer dead, no longer an enemy, no longer an object of wrath, but made alive in Christ. That's you. This guy doesn't exist anymore. You might feel like this guy exists, but nothing can pull you from the grasp of Christ. New creation, altogether new. Different heart, different motive, different operating system. Made alive in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. Galatians, or Colossians, Paul writes, he says that uh, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. How do you live the Christian life in this new identity? It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. So now Christ in you, the hope of glory, you alive in Christ, here's the new identity. It's not by your works. It's not by your effort. It's not by human hands that do this. It's by God rescuing you from the dominion of darkness, making you alive in Christ. This is the new you. New heart, new thoughts. Not perfect, but made new made right because of the righteousness of Christ, a new identity altogether. Paul continues to write in Colossians, he says that Christ is hidden in God with you. Christ in you, the hope of glory, you made alive in Christ, Christ hidden in 
God, the Father. This is a new reality of who you are. Do you see you in there? You're still very much there a little bit. But you bring your full self to there. You are still there. But God in you, you in him, hidden in the Father, is the new reality and identity that is now yours for those in Christ. That little word in is so powerful. No longer this guy. Break up with this guy. He's a bum. He's dead. This guy has been made alive. Not by your effort, not by how much you read the Bible, not by how much you pray, not by how much you give, but by the mercy and grace of God, you've been made alive, rescued from the dominion of darkness, brought into his marvelous light. He goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, that you have been sealed with the Spirit. I need, Elijah, will you come here for a sec? Yeah, you, Elijah. That one. Yeah, come on. All right, I need somebody. One person. Yeah, come on. That Elijah. Okay, oh, all right, good. It's okay. Okay, ready? I need your help. I can't hold a mic. Saran wrap. I'm also selling saran wrap if anybody's interested. You're going to wrap it all around there. Can you do that? You do that while I'm talking. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You in Christ made alive. Christ hidden in the Father. And then now sealed with the Holy Spirit. Vacuum sealed. Yeah, keep going. Like a lot. That word sealed with the Spirit means that it's a king's ring. A signet ring. If you've ever seen it in a movie or something. It's a ring that marks who the king's is. And he takes it in the wax and he seals a letter. So that somebody can know that, that it's from the messenger. The king saying, he's mine. And so Christ, yeah, that's great. Give them a round of applause. Thank you, guys. You're marked and sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's a deposit of the inheritance that awaits you. This is now the new reality of who you are. You are a new creation created in Christ Jesus. The dead man is gone. God no longer sees you as a sinful, shameful object of wrath. And while sin is still there, no longer is your name sinner saved by grace, but is saint who still sins. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is how you live the Christian life. It's how you express your new identity. Galatians 2.20 would say that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's him who lives in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory, crucified with Christ who now lives in you. You made alive in Christ, hidden in the Father, sealed, vacuum sealed with that Holy Spirit. The new creation walking around. The new identity that's you. Do you still struggle with sin, dads? Boys, do you still struggle with sin? Me too. But the reality is, this is who you are. When this freedom comes in to say, oh, I'm not this guy who's trying to be this guy all the time. And the reality becomes, this is who I am because this is who he says I am. There's a new freedom that comes. You break up with performance. You break up with trying to earn God's favor, which is impossible anyway. And you accept the reality that you are a new creation created in Christ Jesus. In that newness... We've been adopted into the family. Say adopted. 
objects of wrath, now made children of God. The beautiful part about adoption, especially when it's writing to, say, this time that's in Rome, in ancient Rome where it's happening, is that an adopted child was more precious and secure in the family than a child of birth. He had greater rights and privileges, and it was a big deal to adopt somebody into that family. Because adopting them means they get all the inheritance that awaits. They get all rights and privileges and access as son of that adopted family. And that's what Christ does for us. A new creation, old gone, new come, new identity called sons of God. That now we have access to all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are sons of God that we can come to Abba, Yahweh God, and call him Abba, Dad. As we've sung multiple times this weekend, that God, where an object of wrath, now becomes Papa. And we can come to him anytime, all the time, full access, full rights, full privileges as sons of the king. For years in my house, I don't know how dads you guys wake up, but for years in my house, my kids would open the door, run full speed, jump in the air, and land on top of me. That's how I woke up every morning for years. You know why they got to do that? Because they were my kids. You know who doesn't get to do that? All of you. Do you know how awkward it would be if Jeremy comes running in my room tonight and jumps on me and says, ah, tickle fight. Yeah, it would be awkward. <laughs> Jason, that's another story. You know, brothers in Christ, it's good. But he, my kids had full rights and access to my room at any point. They could come to me sick, lonely, tired, frustrated, broken, sad, struggling, Joyful, full rights and privilege and access to dad because they were mine and I was theirs. That's the same access we have to God this morning for those in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You in Christ made alive. Christ hidden in the Father, sealed with the Holy Spirit. New creation, new identity, new reality, enfolded into the family of God. You men, you sons, are sons of the king. You have access to God at any moment and any time. The reality is that he's in you and you're in him this morning. He's not a distant God, but he's with us today. Fully aware of our struggle and sin that is still there. But, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? In rising, he defeats all sin and we have been made new and right. If you can grasp that freedom over this lifetime then, that you're free right now, it's a game changer. It's a game changer in how you see God the Father, and it's a game changer in how you see yourself, and it's a game changer in how you lead your family and your sons from this day forward. You are free. It's for freedom's sake that he set you free. He's that good of a father that he just wants you to know that you're free today. He's that good of a father that he's not, you're this distant thing, go stand in the corner and I'll talk to you in eternity, but I'm still pretty mad at you. In love and in grace, he's rescued us and made us new. 
And that's our reality. So as we walk and learn to walk with him, know that he's in you today, that you're in him, that you're in the Father, that you have the Spirit of God sealed inside of you to give you all wisdom and discernment, that you're not just set apart, but that he's willingly and gladly adopted you to be his. And if you're his, nothing changes that. Nothing shakes that. By belief, we get that new reality, and it's a beautiful thing. Later this evening, we'll talk about how to live in our new identity and how to express that with each other. But I want to leave you with one thing this morning. It's a mind-blowing thing for me. My son, by the way, my son's okay. A couple of you guys asked last night. He didn't die, and I wouldn't be here if he did, obviously. So he's okay. He went and worked out right after, as you do, you know. You get hit by a car and then just go work out. Um, so, but um, <laughs> here's the mind-blowing thing with my son. Same with my daughter. But my son, I had the privilege of leading my son to Christ when he was young, baptizing him and walking with him and talking about things. And the reality is, is that he's my son, but the reality in Christ is he's also my brother. Say that again. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> that was a way better sound effect. Thank you. That was way better. I need you to do that again. <laughs> He's my son. Saw him come out of my wife. He, he looks like me. We share the same DNA. We have same mannerisms. He's mine. No mystery. Even if he didn't come out of my wife and we adopted him, he's mine. You don't, nothing's going to change that. But the reality of that him and placing belief in Christ and me placing belief in Christ, now being adopted by the father of all fathers, he's now my brother. He's my brother in Christ. And as he grows and matures, that he's encouraging me and image bearing to me and reminding me of who God is and who I am. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you. I get to do the same to him. So men, if your sons have placed their faith in Christ, Sons, if your dad has placed their faith in Christ, as you look at each other, you're also brothers in Christ. You're sitting next to your son who's your brother. It sounds like a bad, like, sister, mo sister mom thing or something, but it's not. Your brother in Christ is sitting right next to you. New creation, new identity right here, kingdom reality. And so as such, I want to invite Kenny to come up and sing that last song, singing of our adoption. But I'm going to ask you, before he sings that, sons, would you look at me this morning? Put your whittle down just for a second. I'm going to ask you something that I've been stretching your dads this weekend to do. Sons, I'd like you to turn to your dads, and I'd like you to pray for your dad this morning. I'd like you to put your hand on your dad, and I want you to pray. And if you've never really spent time praying, praying is just talking to God. You don't have to have big words or some crazy speech. But I want you to pray for your dad this morning. And specifically, I want you to pray for your dad that he would remember this reality, that he's a son of God, that he has what it takes because God's with him to love you and lead you and lead your family. Would you pray for him that way this morning? Can you guys do that? I'd appreciate that. And once you do that for a minute, Kenny will sing the song. We'll invite you to stand, and we'll end our time.